It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources on a beautiful day here at KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of Deseret News, and we are plowing towards the top of the hour. A lot of ground yet to cover. And what we're really going to do now is we're going to boil it all down to the essence. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to uh, record a podcast, our Therefore What podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcast, or you can get it on the KSL News Radio app uh, with our friends at Any Hour Services, or you can go to our uh, Facebook page or Instagram page at KSL Inside Sources. And uh, you can always tap into all of that. Uh, I had a long form interview with Greg McEwen, who is the author of Essentialism. The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Uh, I love how he often says, less but better. Uh, so he uh, he came in, and I have to admit, one of the things I love about this job is that I am always learning and always being exposed to people who think different, who do different, who believe different, and it challenges me to become different. And so in the midst of my interview of Greg McEwen, um, it turned into an intervention. <laughs> And he started picking apart my world uh, and has set me on a 30-day course uh, with some accountability built into the back end. We're going to do part two of the podcast 30 days from now and see how I've done in simplifying, getting to the essential. Uh, In the podcast, we discuss the disciplined pursuit of less, again, less but better. And uh, it's so interesting in the midst of the pandemic uh, that a lot of us are kind of scaling back and saying, okay, what is essential? What is the most important thing? What should I be mindful of? What should I let go? Uh, What really matters most? And so let me start with my uh, conversation with Greg uh, McEwen. And again, this is essentialism, kind of a summary course. This is what it actually means. Well, the problem that essentialism lives to solve is non-essentialism. That is trying to do everything for everyone without really thinking about it. You may do it because you have a feeling of service. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But if you combine that desire to serve and make a difference with the idea that you have to do everything for everyone, you don't get what you hope to get. You don't keep everybody happy and accomplish everything you want. You just get spread too thin at work or at home. You get busy but not productive, and you start to feel like your day and life is being constantly hijacked by other people's agenda for you. That's non-essentialism. Essentialism is the antidote to that problem. So as we, as we started this discussion, uh, again with Greg McEwen, uh, author of Essentialism, it, it really gets down to are, are you just saying yes to please? Are you just taking everything on because you think it's your duty or because you have to or you don't have control or you want to achieve this? And there's really this interesting thing that I asked Greg about, which is how do you get to yes when it's the right thing to say, and how do you get to no? Well, I think you have to remember that 
communication generally works on this continuum. Most people think of it as a continuum. And on the far side of it, there's the polite yes. And on the other end is the rude no. And people are trapped in that way of thinking because the trap is as soon as you take even an inch from the polite yes, you're on your way to the rude no. And people recognize if they just give rude no's to everyone and everything, then they're going to damage their relationships. They're going to have career-limiting interactions. And so they're actually trapped in this pretended harmony. This, uh, I have just got to say yes to everyone. See, I'm just trying to be a good team player. But as we've already mentioned, it doesn't work. So this this whole idea of saying yes when you really mean no, or you're saying yes but incapable of delivering what you're committing to, uh, really gets into this debate. And we, we did a deep dive on this in the podcast in terms of nice versus honest. We all want to be nice. We all want to be liked. But we've also got to learn to be very honest in terms of our communication. Uh, he gave a, a wonderful example uh, of how we actually go through this process in real life uh, from his family. What I'm arguing is that there's a third alternative, uh, that you don't just have to be polite, yes, or rude, no. You can step into negotiation and that you can pause to explore. You can pause to ask a question. This happened with my daughter not so long ago, my 14-year-old daughter, and I was trying to persuade her to read this book, to add this to her list some important book I thought she should do. And, uh, and she was pushing back politely. She's negotiating. And then I went back to the office. I had a meeting or something. She slipped a note under my door. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to try and if I can find it. Give me a second. So here's what the note said. She wrote, I already expressed my unwillingness to read this book, but I'm willing to make a counteroffer. I am not willing to read it all in one day today, but I'd be happy to explore the possibility of reading it in the future over the course of a few weeks. I believe it would be best to wait till the end of my literature assignment. If you would like me to read this book in place of a separate assignment and over the course of a few weeks, I'm sure that can be made possible. Oh, my goodness. And she's 14? 14. And she understood that that you can negotiate. You don't just – it's not just polite yes or rude no. You can, for example, negotiate the trade-off. All right, and if you're just joining us, uh, this is my interview with Greg McEwen, uh, author of Essentialism. Uh, if you need a book right now, this is a great one to read. If you're heading out on vacation anywhere, uh, this is a good one to get you to reflect and pull back just a little bit. I want to jump into a conversation that we had. And again, if you missed any of this, you can uh, find it on our Facebook page at KSL Inside Sources. Uh, and we talked about this idea of boundaries and how to prioritize. As soon as you say anything less than here is a clear boundary in today's world. There won't be any boundaries because your phone, your laptop, it carries with you everywhere. It goes everywhere. If you aren't careful, you'll work till six, seven, eight, nine, it just every day becomes like this. And what you're trying to do in this environment is you're saying, if I have no boundaries, if I try to do everything, then I'll get everything I want. But in fact, this isn't what you get. It's a, it's a bill of goods. Yes. Uh, we've been conned. <laughs> And so we want really good boundaries. Here's what happens. When you know that there's actually an end time, when you say this is it, you are requiring of yourself to prioritize. So we have to get to that ability to actually prioritize. I want to jump in uh, just one last piece of my interview with Greg McEwen, if you're just joining us, uh, talking about essentialism and really getting to, to what do we do? What do we do different? How do we behave different if we really can live focused 
on the essential less but better. The big idea behind essentialism is that it's difficult to overstate the unimportance of practically everything. We, 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 we're not in a coal mine where it's productivity, get as much stuff from point A to point B. Rather, we are waking up as we put on the lens of essentialism, we wake up to the discovery, oh, the whole time we've been in a diamond mine. Most of this stuff doesn't matter, but a few things are so vital, so important, they're going to matter till the end of time. And we want to design a life around those things that protects them, that enthrones them, and makes them as easy to do as possible. That's a subject we didn't even get to yeah. today. How do you make it easy so that you can do it on an ongoing basis? That, to me, is the, is the big idea. And really, as soon as you get that idea on, you start to act differently, spontaneously, naturally, because you can see what you couldn't see before. All right, that's uh, part of my interview uh, from my Therefore What podcast with Greg McEwen and uh, his uh, best-selling book, Essentialism, has been around for a while, but it is one worth going back and rereading. If you really want to have some entertaining listening today, you can listen to the whole podcast because a portion of this interview turned into an intervention for me. Uh, And he gave me some challenges and some things to work on, and I'm going to share those with you over the course of the next month uh, as I try to weed out some of the things in my world that are non-essential and maybe preventing me from doing what he calls protecting the asset to make sure we're focused on highest and best use of our time, our talent, our attention, our resources uh, of all kinds. So uh, stay with us on that. We'll continue to, to hit it. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, really interesting. It was on this day, 1885, Lady Liberty showed up in New York Harbor, the delivery of the Statue of Liberty. We're going to talk about what it means, what it means today, next on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.